0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Jesus mentions anxiety six times in these 11 verses of the Holy Gospel reading. He knows what we know, anxiety sells. Whether it is war, or sickness, or the daily ups and downs of Wall Street, or even the daily ups and downs of our own pocketbooks, Jesus knows how anxious we are. And he names two things about which we are anxious, food and clothing. He names two other creatures, birds of the air and lilies of the field to illustrate the foolishness of anxiety. And then he gives the solution to the problem of anxiety. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Of all of the things that stirs up anxiety, the kingdom of God and his righteousness probably doesn't make our list. Perhaps this is because we rarely give the kingdom of God and his righteousness first place in our lives. We might talk about the importance of being a child of God. We might even be proud of our baptism, our confirmation, our marriage, or any other church event that has personal meaning for us. We might boast of regular church attendance, although pre-pandemic studies show that faithful church attendance in the United States has dropped to approximately once a month. I can only imagine what that number would be now post-pandemic. That's not really something about which to boast. But what we really boast about, though, especially to other people, is how involved we are in so many things. And those activities tend to take first place in our lives and those that don't get pushed aside. And what's usually the first thing that gets pushed aside in our busy calendars? Yeah, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Why? Because we're so worried about many things, we're anxious. So was Martha in Luke chapter 10. Jesus had to remind Martha about the one thing needful, the word that he teaches and that he preaches. Another reason why, beloved, is because we figure what goes on here will always be here. We figure Jesus has delayed his second coming for so long that it seems as if there will always be a church that does churchy things. If I miss a few weeks, if I miss a few months, if I miss a few years, or even a decade or two or three, oh, well, church is always going to be there. Jesus is delayed this long. What's another 15, 20 years? That way I know that church is there when I need church. And when I don't need church, I still know church is there for when I need church. The consumer mentality Permeates us so much, we catch ourselves seeing word and sacrament as a commodity like food and clothing. Those are two things, by the way, Jesus says we shouldn't worry about food and clothing. I've been here on the high prairie of Wisconsin now, coming close to eight months. And the one thing I've loved to do during the warm weather of summertime here is drive through the countryside. And when I do, I like to roll down the windows so that I can smell that fresh Wisconsin air. And when I do, and I happen to be going through the countryside, and maybe stopped at a four-way stop, sometimes birds are singing. They flutter around everywhere, you know. They're practically everywhere. And when I hear the birds sing, I never hear them sing about what they're going to do about breakfast on Friday morning. What they are concerned about is now. All of what they need is provided for them. They go out and they seek it. They don't think about tomorrow or the day after tomorrow or the day after that. They live it one day at a time, one meal at a time. And when I'm at that same four-way stop out in the country, there's usually some flowers along the side of the road. Now, Jesus calls them lilies of the field. These are not the Easter lilies that you and I are so used to seeing in the springtime. These are what would be closely connected to day lilies. What you see along the side of the road. You don't even give them a second thought when you pass by them except to go, Oh, day lilies. Oh, isn't that nice? It kind of perks things up a little bit. When I am at said four-way stop, I tend to listen to what is around me. If I can turn the radio down long enough to do it. And I've never once heard flowers gripe about the fact that they look the same day after day. Never once have they said, oh, well, I should change colors because someone surely is going to say, haven't I already seen them in that outfit before? They've looked the same all the time. And they're not worried about how different they're going to look tomorrow. God provides for them as he provides for birds, too. And for you and for me as well. But we don't believe Jesus. Even more so, we try to control what he says. Maybe we do believe him up to a point. We'll believe that all good things do come from our Heavenly Father who loves us and cares for us in providential as well as spiritual ways. And we might actually believe that our Heavenly Father does his part to care for us. But here's where things kind of get off track. We figure he drops things in our lap and says, well, look at what you earned. No. We're stewards. What we have is not ours. It's loaned to us. And the Lord God says, care for it. This belongs to me. Now, for some, he gives quite a bit of stewardship. And for others, he gives a little bit of stewardship. And we're so worried about poverty, or sometimes we're even worried about having too much. But we don't really have a say in what he gives us. He gives more to some, less to others. And then there's the unanswered prayers. So often we pray, and we give thanks to God when he answers our prayer. And then there are those times when we are thankful as well for unanswered prayers. Especially when we look back on our lives and remember that we've prayed for something and we've been so thankful that it never happened because what could we have done with it if we did get it? And then we pray for things that we have no business in praying for. Power, control, authority, more of it, and especially more mammon. Mammon. Mm. There's an English word we don't often use, but it's a great word. In this particular translation of Holy Scripture, when Jesus says you cannot serve God and money, they say you, they, God and mammon, it says God and money. The real word there is mammon. That's not to say money is the wrong word. Mammon covers more than just money. What's mammon? The excess of abundance. I'm going to hit close to home on this one. Because I know, even though I didn't look in your kitchen cabinets when I've come to visit you, I know you have too many coffee mugs. That's mammon. You're going to need two, probably four if you have company, maybe six if you got a set. But I bet you have 11 of them. And they all mean something to you. And you can't get rid of them. And when you do end up getting rid of them, either you give them to, uh, say, Goodwill or St. Vincent de Paul or another particular thing. Or you have a rummage sale or something like that. Somebody else is going to get that and then they're going to have the problem of having too much. The excess of abundance. And then what's going to happen? You're going to look at your coffee mugs and you're going to go, you know, these really don't keep the coffee all that warm. I need a Yeti. And the Yeti becomes two, becomes four, becomes seven. And the next thing you know, you're waiting for the sale for the $500 Yeti cooler. Because you want to upgrade. And we're always upgrading. That's mammon. You have more than enough, and you don't want to get rid of it even when someone else needs it. But what are you going to do with mammon when Jesus comes to judge the living and the dead? You can't take it with you into paradise. You can't leave it behind for somebody else because everything is going to burn. You have enough, but enough is never enough, or so you think. For what then do you seek? More mammon? Jesus says, how about more of my kingdom and more of my righteousness? From these two things, beloved, flow everything else. Maybe you will not get a Yeti or seven of them, but you have a coffee cup. Is that not enough? Yeah, you got the coffee in the water. Now you could gripe, oh, but it isn't Jamaica Blue Mountain coffee. And it isn't glacier melt water. But you've got coffee in the water to make it and something to drink it in. Thanks be to God. All these things are gifts that he gives us. And all these things are given after Jesus gives you his kingdom and his righteousness. So, does God's kingdom look like a coffee cup? No. God's kingdom, beloved, looks like you letting go of controlling him. God's kingdom looks like his son, Jesus, giving you forgiveness of sins, giving you eternal righteousness that covers the blackness of sin, giving you the holiness that bespeaks you perfect in Christ before our heavenly Father. There is no anxiety for you when you are clothed in this righteousness that comes down from above. Jesus has done all things necessary for your salvation. And it's what you hear from this pulpit and from that lectern week after week. Why week after week? When are you going to get to something new, Pastor? Never! Because you come here every week with the same thing I have, and it's called gospel amnesia. You forget that Jesus loves you and gave his life for you and that you had no say in it. So I get to stand here, and Lord willing, I'll do it again next week unless Jesus comes, please let it happen. And you'll hear it again. And again, because sin makes you deaf and blind to eternity. So it's Jesus' job with his word to open up your ears and your eyes to hear and to see his kingdom that is before you. The tendency for redeemed sinners when it comes to God's kingdom and his righteousness, the righteousness that covers you in your baptism, is to want to go it alone church can be a disappointing place because people's failures are out in the open. When you get a group of people together, whether it's here or anywhere, you will find out rather quickly in an intimate group, and even a congregation our size is an intimate group, you will find rather quickly What everybody else's pet sins are. You will know them up close and personal like you know your own sins. Pastors fail. Fellow Christians fail. There are times when it seems like everything except God's kingdom and God's righteousness is talked about in this house. You look around in the pews, whether in front of you, behind you, or across the aisle from you, and you see people who have failed you in the past. Or you see yourself, too, and how you have failed others. Remember when you have a moment where you feel like you need to empty the pew permanently because you're sick and tired of dealing with sinners. That our Lord's church, whether here or anywhere, is composed entirely this side of paradise of sinners. Sinners in need of the certain hope of Jesus' blood and righteousness given to them in preaching, in their baptism, in the absolution of their sins. In the eating and drinking of the body and blood of Jesus in his supper. There's not a one of us here, me included, that can look inside any of our hearts and try to determine who's really here for all the right reasons. Don't even start with it. We're all here for the same reason I am a sinner, I have fallen short. Of God's one way love. For me. I deserve hell. But that's not what I get. I get heaven. Because Jesus has given it to me as a gift. And that's the most important thing that I will hear all week. It's the most important thing I need to hear every day. Every minute of every day. Because everywhere I look, people fail me. And all it does is build anxiety. Jesus has the antidote for anxiety for you tonight His kingdom, His righteousness, and everything else that you need. And we all don't really know everything that we need, but Jesus does. Everything else flows from those two things. And we do it together as sinners. Sinners redeemed by the blood of the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. It is a gift not to be anxious about money or possessions or gaining more of both and then building your future on it. One of the wisest things I ever heard a fellow pastor say is when he looked me in the eye one time, he said, Dave, you know, it's not a gift until you can give it away. I went home and thought about that one for a while because I love stuff. And so do you. It's when we build our future on it, it becomes a problem. Your future is in Jesus Christ. For his future is your future. Resurrection in eternity, that's what's in your future. And it's yours even right now. You can't take your food and your clothing with you. And your anxiety will be taken away on judgment day. And you will be in the Savior's presence in the fullness of joy, just as you are right now. Yes, it's joy that's clouded with anxiety, it's joy that's clouded with sadness and madness and badness. It's still joy because you can take Jesus with you. And Jesus is still where he's at. Same Jesus, same kingdom. Same righteousness, same forgiveness, same one-way love for sinners. He hasn't stopped. He's not going to. You can take Jesus with you. For his kingdom and his righteousness is the one thing needful for sinners. All of us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.